0: Good morning. Yeah, Dave Vandermeer, pastor, recently retired of Rockford Springs Community Church, uh, just north of Rockford, in a denomination called the OPC, Orthodox Presbyterian Church. It's a delight to be with you this morning. Uh, if uh, I-, I was thankful that when Mike announced that I was here instead of Pastor Dirk, that. Some of the visitors didn't get up and leave because I know you came here today to hear Pastor Dirk, uh, as, as we all want to do. Uh, what a joy to have a faithful pastor in this church, amen? amen. You have, uh, I think, a very hardworking, God-loving, uh, people-loving pastor. He's not a lazy pastor, is he? And um, uh, not a lot of churches can say that. I've been, a, I've been a pastor, I've been around, I've seen him, and you've got a great one, and I'm glad to see he's on vacation, you're taking care of him. A pastor needs to take a break once in a while, uh, and fuel up, so keep praying for him, and that his vacation is, is good. Okay, I don't know, brief bio, Mike, um, let's see, our third born married a, um, mar- married a Brinks, and then, uh, so, and then, of course, Kerwin Brinks is married to Karen, who was a Quist. Is that enough Dutch bingo to say, okay, I belong here a little bit? All right, good. Okay, that's good, good. I worked for 20 years in a furniture factory, making furniture in the Grand Rapids area, different factories, and then when I was 45, the Lord thought it would be fun to have me become a pastor, so uh, did, did that for the last 20 or so years, and, and God, has been, God has been good. been good. Very good, and I just have to say, this is the first church I've been to where there was an announcement about a shotgun shoot coming up, so I thought, sign me up for that. We're turning this morning to 1 Peter chapter 1, one of my favorite texts in the Bible. I had a kid ask me one time, Pastor, if you if you got... Put on an island. What book would you want? I said, well, of course, the Bible. He says, yeah, but what, 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 what book in the Bible? And I, wow. Now, what do you do? I said, well, I suppose Romans, or maybe Ephesians, maybe First Peter. I love First Peter. I'm getting to getting to know this book more and more, and and I trust today that the Lord will bless us as we dive into it. I, I want to look at the first nine verses this morning, and then we'll finish it up tonight, Lord willing, as, as we look at it. So 1 Peter chapter 1, I'm, I'm glad to see that you stand for the reading of God's Word. Let's do so, because what we're about to hear is the very Word of God, inerrant. You know what that means?
1: <laughs>
0: There's not a one mistake in it. I don't care what the world tells you. Amen. We have the very Word of God before us. So before we read it, let me me just pray a minute. Father, would you bless us now as we come to your Word. Father, would you speak to us? We came this morning with the expectation that you would speak to us. Further, Lord, we came this morning with the need... For you to speak to us. Father you have been gracious to this church. And we now ask for your further mercy. Your further grace. That your spirit would now be here in great power. Helping us hear your word. So Father all that stuff that's going on in our lives. May we lay it aside. For a time now this morning. To listen to you. Again Heavenly Father. Thank you for your presence and your voice. I pray that you would indeed speak to this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Glacia, Cappadocia, Asia, And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The word of the Lord to us. Please be seated. Thank you. The year is somewhere around 64 A.D. 64 A.D. When for some reason, the Spirit of God now gets a grip of this fisherman, disciple, apostle, Peter. And causes him for the very first time to write scriptures as he's being led by the Holy Spirit. Now, to be sure, Peter has been used multiple times in the writings of the New Testament. You take, for example, Mark. Peter is his first resource. You could just see Mark, John Mark, sitting down with Peter and and taking notes of the activities and and the preaching and the healings and the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's now that Peter is moved to write himself to the church. And you see who he's writing to. These are five of the uh, areas of present-day Turkey, Asia Minor, we would say, these five regions. So we know this is a letter to circulate all around. Apostle Peter is well known. He's probably in Rome at this time. You know what happened in 64 AD. Rome burned. And you remember, of course, who Nero found to be uh, (laughs) good ones to blame. It was the Christians. And so Christians were dispersed. Throughout the kingdom. Now that may be what's happening here when Peter speaks of elect exiles of the dispersion. They've been dispersed. This may be the exact historical moment that this is that this is occurring. The Christians are on the run once again. It may be. Now it may be just a general statement of the of the um, of, of the place Christians are in this world, dispersed. Exiles. You know what it is to be an exile? You've been booted out. Well, who booted the Christians out of this world? God did. That's our description today, folks. Christians, you've been booted from this world into the kingdom of God. Amen? And so we do not consider this to be. Our world, as beautiful as it was this morning, driving up here and, and coming into the church, there's several spots. Oh, my. You just want to park the car and just behold the creation of God. Amen? But as you behold this beauty, it doesn't hold a candle to what's coming, folks. It doesn't hold a candle. And I'm, t- I'm talking about heaven. I'm talking about the new earth. What a glory that will be when there's no more sin in all of God's creation. So we've been dispersed as Christians. We've been taken out. And Peter is writing now, a simple fisherman. He's just a simple, that's how I consider myself to, he's just a simple factory guy. He's a simple fisherman. And he's going to even have to have help writing this, as you'll see in chapter 5, that a guy by the name of Sylvanus actually writes it for him. That's why it's in such polished Greek. (laughs) That didn't come from this fisherman. But he, he helps Peter polish the language for him. But now the Spirit moves Peter to write. And I want to say to you this morning, you need to get a sense of this. Peter's gone now 30 years following the Lord Jesus Christ after his after Christ arose and ascended. It's been some 30 years. He's seen a lot of persecution. He's seen a lot of trouble. He's gone through a lot of trials. And now it's been 30 plus years and he's like a pent up volcano ready to just burst out the scriptures. And that's what you get here in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. Boys and girls, you know what a run on sentence is? You know what a run-on sentence is? Yeah, you never can find a period. And you get in trouble with your English teacher for that, don't you? Well, that's what Peter does in verses 3 through 9. He just never stops. Now you say, well, wait a minute, Pastor, in the English I see all kinds of periods. I, I know. But in the original language, when Peter spoke this, wrote this, he didn't stop. He just poured it out. Now look at the very first thing he says in verse 3. This is the very first thing he says after, after following the Lord Jesus Christ for 30 years, perhaps even being aware of the fact that he's not going to live much longer because along about 68 they came and hung him upside down crucified him upside down. You know that story with Peter. Perhaps he knows that's coming. And what does he blurt out? How does it stop? How, how does it start? How does the volcano explode? Do you see it? Blessed... Be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I just want to say this morning, it's one of my goals today as I bring you First Peter is so that you will leave this place today and tonight and you will just say, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's worship. Have you come to worship Him today on this good Sabbath day? And come saying this word, blessed are you, O God, blessed are you, O God. He's writing to foreigners, exiles, the elect chosen people of God who are suffering in the midst of this dispersion, kicked out of their homes, or the general understanding of the position of a true believer has in comparison to this world. So that's who he's writing to. So let me just ask you this morning, and be rather direct about it, if you'll allow me. Um, may you read this? I, I, don't, I don't go next door to my neighbor's mailbox and get his mail out and read it, do you? No, <laughs> you don't do that. So I want to ask you this morning, this is a letter. It's a letter to the elect exiles. Is it okay for you to be reading this? Is this letter to you? Is it? On the one hand, if it is, then take it and hear it and receive it and believe it and and, and allow it to just move you with the hope that God has brought to you. But if you're not one of These that Peter is talking about, elect exiles in a dispersion, waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ more so than anything else because as the text said, though you do not see him, you love him. But if it's true of you that you have not believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have not been born again, as verse uh, 3 is going to talk about, This is not a letter for you. You can listen today if you'd like. We would like you to. But we're not here to give false hope. I want to speak today of hope, but I'm not here to give you false hope. And so it's always a pickle for a pastor to come and preach a sermon on a text written to Christians not wanting to give false hope to those who do not believe. So, young people, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Then this is for you, if you say yes. But if you say no, then you should fear God and come and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, though you have not seen Him. Come to love Him so that you too would be filled with an inexpressible joy. Let's listen to the text. Before us, we have our goal that we would all rise up today and say, Blessed be the God of our salvation. Blessed be the God of our salvation. Let me tell you a little story. Uh, Years ago, Civil War, General Lee was surrounded. We're at the very final days of the Virginia Army, led by Lee. He's in St. Petersburg. Richmond has been surrounded. St. Petersburg is in trouble. The Union troops are moving in in force. Lee's troops have been eating mainly bark and grass. They've had no supplies. They're running low on ammo. Um, their nutrition is is just off the scale, and Lee knows something's got to happen, and so Lee tells his troops, "We've got to get out of here." And they plan a retreat that night because Lee hears that in a town not not but a day's march away are some supplies. So Lee gets his troops and they, they get out of St. Petersburg in the middle of the night and they start marching all night. Now these are hungry, tired troops, malnourished troops, most of whom are barefoot. And here they are going down the road in the middle of the night, but they've got hope. Why do they have hope? Because they have heard reports that if they get to this town, there's boxcars full of supplies. So Lee believes the reports and starts heading all his troops to this town, marching all night long. They get there midday the next day. They get to the boxcars. They open the doors. And what do they find in the boxcars? Nothing. Supplies are gone. But then Lee hears that if, if they just get to this next town, now this one's going to be two days more of marching all night, all day long, after they've already walked all night and all day long to get to this town. If they just get to this next town, they'll get supplied. And so, okay, he rallies the troops. Come on, boys we got to get to this next town and get some supplies. There you'll get food. There you'll get ammo. You're going to make it. That's our hope. Come on, let's get to that next town. And so off they go to the next town. And they march for two more days. You know the history of this? (laughs) And they get there. And what do they find? Nothing. And they find... The Union troops have surrounded them. And so what does Lee do at that point when there is no longer any what? Hope. What does he do? He surrenders. You know what you do when there's no longer any hope? You surrender. Christians, This morning, I want to bring to you living hope from the Scriptures. And the information that we have received as believers as we are moving in the dispersion, we are moving from point A to point B, the information that we've received is is that if we get to this next town, oh man, but do you believe it? There's been history after history of, of reports that if we get here, Oh, then we'll be blessed, and there's nothing. But what we have before us today is the word of our Lord Jesus Christ that he is going to be returning and bring with him blessing upon blessing. Will you believe that while you're suffering and struggling? Will it be enough for you to keep trudging even through the night to receive the promises laid up for you in the Lord Jesus Christ? Let's look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, we would use the word pity here. The Lord is looking upon us just with great pity. We're struggling, we're hurting people. He has caused us, we didn't do it, He has caused us to be what? Born again, now watch this, to a living hope. Do you see it? According to his great mercy, he did this. He caused us to be born again. Yeah, Dave Vandermeer, that's my name. I didn't choose to be a Vandermeer. Nobody asked me if I wanted to be a Vandermeer. I just got born into the family of Harry and Helen Vandermeer. Nobody asked me. They did it. (laughs) And just the same thing. I didn't ask to be born again into God's family. In fact, quite the contrary. But God in His mercy as He looked upon me just took pity and said, we've got to save this boy. And He did. He's looking at with pity on you and I. It causes us to be born again. But not born again into the same kind of life that we've got now but instead into a new king care for us, with a new Lord, with a Savior who will be our shepherd and king and care for us. And proof of that is at the cross. Let's just go to the cross a minute and understand what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. Let's understand the gospel once again this morning, that our hope is based upon the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what did He do for us? First of all, He lived a perfect life. He lived a perfect life. He never sinned. You say, so what? The what is this? Adam and Eve lived that life there in the garden, yet sinned. And what happened? That was imputed to us. I'm born in sin. You're born in sin. We're all born in sin. Everybody's born in sin. All creation is a mess. But Jesus Christ never sinned. And so His life saves me by giving to me righteousness. Now let's go to the cross. What did Jesus Christ do for me? Not only did he live for me, he died for me. He died for me so that I might be saved by receiving forgiveness for my sins. You need both. Our hope is based upon the life and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, and as the text says, his resurrection, but we'll get there in a minute. Our salvation is based upon the life and death of the Lord Jesus Christ. I stand, you stand, as a believer today, before God, righteous because of Jesus. But wait a minute, it's not good enough to just be righteous if in the past you've sinned, which we did, We've got to be forgiven. That's why Jesus Christ died on the cross to see to it that we were forgiven. It isn't enough for us to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ just forgiven. We've also got to be righteous because if I'm not righteous, all I am is a forgiven, unrighteous person and before the holiness of God. Are you you tracking with me? See, that's the gospel. That's the basis of our hope. The finished life and work of the Lord Jesus Christ who lived for us and died for us. Amen? That's our hope. That's our hope that we will one day stand before our resurrected Christ to a living hope through, keep reading with me, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Hmm. If Jesus Christ can rise from the dead, we have hope. Even death itself cannot separate us from the love of God which is found for us in Jesus Christ. Amen? He's resurrected. He's alive. He was dead. My wife and I, we do some marriage counseling with Focus on the Family. We're involved with some of that ministry. And there's a lot of couples that come in for counseling. And they say, our, our marriage, it's what? Dead. It's dead. Or we have people that come into the church that say, my relationship with this family member or that family member, it's, it's dead. What hope is there? What hope is there? Our hope is in Jesus Christ who rose from the dead because if he can rise from the dead, can't he fix my marriage? Surely He can. Surely He can. So not only do we have a living hope that one day we will rest upon the new earth where there will be no sin, but we have hope today as well while we battle our sin condition. We have Jesus Christ for us, not against us, to help us in His resurrection power. And that power is found in the Holy Spirit. Now, read on. It's to a living hope. A, a living, it's not a dying hope. It's a living hope that we have. The means of God's work, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. To an inheritance. Now, one of the best cross-references here on the inheritance that we will receive is Romans eight seventeen. Can you go there a minute with me? Hold your place there in 1 Peter. But you've got to have Romans 8. I think it's 17. Let's see. Romans 8. Okay, while you're turning there, let me just say what a joy it is to hear that you're turning in your Bibles. Uh, That's got to be a great blessing to Pastor Dirk. All right, Romans 8, 16, the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God, and if children, then what? Now, what are we if we're children? We're heirs. We're heirs of what? Heirs of God. And fellow heirs with Jesus, with Christ, provided, yeah, here it is, that we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. But the point I want to make here is that our inheritance is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, we don't want to get involved in idolatry here looking forward to the new earth. Like the new earth is better than God. Our joy, our our excitement isn't in just the new earth. It, it's in seeing Jesus. It's, it's being with Jesus. It's worshiping Jesus. We join with the saints that are already in heaven above in Revelation chapter 4. They're casting down their crowns at His feet because they love Him. He is our inheritance. Amen? He is our joy. He is our hope that we're looking forward to. But here's the inheritance. The Lord Jesus Christ. Now, just think with me a minute silly illustration let's say maybe you got a rich uncle in Baltimore and you're living out in California and he writes you a letter and he says okay listen here's the deal I was going to leave you this when I died but I'm going to leave it I'm going to give it to you now you get to Baltimore I'll give you a billion dollars now, here you are in California, and you've got to get to Baltimore, all right? Now, <clears throat> what are you going to do? Are you going to call them up and say, you know, thanks for the offer, but I'll just stay right here? you going to say that? No. What are you going to do? You're probably going to load up into that old Ford F-150 truck you've got and start hitting the road and try to get yourself to Baltimore as fast as this F-150 Ford can go. It's too bad it's not a Dodge Ram, but that's all you got, so here we go. So you hit the road, and you're starting to go down the road, and you don't get too far. Maybe you get to New Mexico or something, and, and all of a sudden, you know, that uh found on road, dead truck, breaks down. And then, uh, there you sit. And what are you going to do? Are you going to open up the door of the truck and sit there at, on the roadside crying and wailing and weeping because your Ford truck broke down when you got a guy in Baltimore ready to give you a billion bucks? What are you going to do? Sit there? Oh. Maybe haul that thing down to the junkyard. You get 100 bucks for it. Maybe. Well, that's a Ford. 75 bucks for it. And, 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 and so then, what do you... Okay, so you buy a bicycle. And now you got a bike. And now you're going down the road because you have got... You were on a mission to get to Baltimore. It don't matter what it's going to take. You're going to get to Baltimore, right? You are motivated. You get down the road on an old bike, flat tire... You fall off the thing, get scuffed up. Now the bike's junk. What are you going to do? Sit there and weep and whine about it? That's not what you're going to do. You're going to throw that thing in a ditch and start walking. I mean, even hitchhiking. Of course, you're starting to look a little uh, raggedy here and maybe hungry and hurting and bruised. And as you walk along, maybe now you finally get to Illinois and you step in a crack. No, that'd be Michigan with its roads. You'd probably step in a crack and twist your ankle. And now what are you going to do? Sit there on the roadside and weep and wail? You got a guy in Baltimore ready to give you a billion bucks. You're going to crawl if that's what it's going to take. That's what I'd do. We don't have a guy in Baltimore promising us a billion bucks. And truth be told, that uncle probably doesn't have it anyways. We've got the Lord God Almighty calling us out with a living hope with it to an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, unfailing, unfading. It's kept in heaven. It's guarded by the Lord God Himself. Nobody's gonna touch your inheritance. He's got this thing. You got you see what I'm saying? What are you gonna do? Sit on the side of the road in your in your in your journey from point A to point B, wimping and whining? Too many of us Christians are sitting on the road sidelined without any hope anymore. No, we've got hope. It's just we've decided not to believe in the hope God's given us. Because that's what the text said. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. He did that. He's given it to me. Now will I believe Him and trust Him or am I going to sit on the side of the road and weep and whine? Come on, Christians. This is, I don't know, This may be one of the most powerful evangelism um, blessings we have for the world. When the world sees Christians who have been dispersed and and, and are exiles, get elect by God, they ought to see a people full of joy. And we should not be sounding like the rest of the world weeping and wailing, but moving forward with hope. And to this end, we need God to give us a great faith because I'm not diminishing the problems that we face. I maybe am picking on your Ford, but I know many of you here are hurting. And you have faced as the text says, various trials brought to you by God Himself to test you. Do you really love Christ above all else? Well, we've got to wrap up. We're, we're going to get into this more tonight, but listen Lee surrendered. Because he had no more. We are not of those who surrender. Amen? We are not of those who quit. We are not of those, as Hebrews 2 talks about, drift away. We are not of those. We are the elect of God that are going to journey all the way to Baltimore, if we got to crawl on our hands and knees. Amen? Because there we have a God who's promised to us great blessing. So Christians, He's given you a great living hope. Exercise now your faith, your belief in the written Word of God who will indeed bless you. And all of God's people said, Father, would you help us as we journey as exiles in the dispersion that you've placed us? Father, we have found that there are days that life can be very hard, seasons of trials and testings, seasons of despair, seasons where there's just a lot of hurt. Would you help us today keep going? Do not let us surrender. Father, we pray that you would help us be the conquerors you've called us to be in Christ Jesus. Father, again, I pray for this church, a church that indeed has faced trials. Would you help her to rise up wipe off the dust and to keep going forward in faith because of the living hope you've placed in our hearts. Father, we know that one day, perhaps not so very far away, we will look back on these days and we will remember your faithfulness to us during dark times. Father, we have eternity upon the new earth coming before us soon. Help us to dwell and to think on these things. Father, again, we thank you for this church and ask you to bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. So we stand together for the word of God's blessing to us, and then we'll close. With our song this morning. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and turn his face towards you and give you his peace right now and forevermore. Amen.